Let's, let's bow. <clears throat> As we have sang in the previous hymn, Eternal Love. Love was in the beginning because God is love. And his creation is expression of this love in creating man in his own image that he should share in that love, O Lord. And we are so much in need of it and have come together here that we may look into the Holy Word, meditate upon it, that thou mayest, O Lord, inspire our hearts to a closer walk with thee and to draw near for those that have not done so. Dear Father, we ask and pray a blessing upon thy holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the Word of God as found in Luke chapter 7. Now when he had ended all his saying in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loved our nation, and he had built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. For I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Therefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God had visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. That is John the Baptist. 
And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were therefore come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in, the same, in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, <clears throat> Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor is the gospel preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. I've read to verse 23. <clears throat> Let's bow down and worship the Lord. It is good, O Heavenly Father, to come into thy presence, to enter through that torn veil that was torn at the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, into thy glorious presence, where the angels continually shout, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord. Lord, we are not worthy to enter here but by the blood of your Son. And Father, we are so thankful that we can say with this people of Israel that God hath visited his people, that he has brought power to raise the dead back to life, to heal the blind, to make the lame walk. For we were dead in sin and blind and crippled, and yet your power set us free. Father, we pray that we would never forget that our hearts would always be moved with gratitude, that our eyes could always be upon thee and depend and abide in you. Father, we, our hearts go out for those who, who still are dead in sin, whose heart yearns to be set free. We know that that power to heal is still here with us today. We pray that they would come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be healed while there is opportunity. Father, our hearts go out for those because we live still in this fallen world where death and decay still does happen until you come again. Lord, we are grieved at the passing of our brother, though he is in your presence. We know that his wife and his children and we all will miss him, and we pray for comfort. And Father, we're thankful for this blessed hope that we have. We pray for those who are struggling with illness and old age, and some for a long time. Lord, that they would not be discouraged, that you, your presence, your strength, and your healing that we have read about would be with them, and that they would be lightened. Those who are in charge of their care would be encouraged. The medical staff would be given wisdom. Most of all, that your name would be glorified in their lives and in ours. Whatever struggles each one of us is going through, that we would glorify you in the midst of them. And indeed, we will let these things form us and shape us into the image of your Son which we so desperately need. We're thankful, Lord, even for the trials, even for the temptations, because we know that all things work 
for the good as we love you. We pray, Lord, for your blessing on the service. Speak to us through your servant. May our hearts be open and be prepared to receive and to apply the words we're taught. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. portion we read starts with, when he ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. If we would have read the previous chapter, we would realize that <clears throat> this was after the Sermon of the Mount, the Beatitudes. And then he entered into Capernaum, a place that you can see, a place where Jesus and his disciples went after he was rejected in his hometown, Nazareth. And in Capernaum, he did many miracles. Some believed, but most of them did not. And the place was cursed. Was cursed. You can see the ruins. There is no, no people living there, but you can go there and see the ruins. You even can see the ruins of the synagogue. They say that the original synagogue, very likely the one where, that was built by this centurion, uh, was made of local rocks that are black, volcanic. A later synagogue was built up on top that was made out of imported white stone. But you can see those places. You can walk there or touch it. And that's apparently where this took place. He entered into Capernaum, and there was a centurion. Now, a centurion is a Roman officer that has the charge of about 100 people, 100 soldiers. That's why it's called a centurion. A man of note, a man of authority. And the remarkable thing here is that these centurions made good friends with the Jews, with those Galileans. Now, it was the Galileans which, more than, than any other of the Jews, resented the Roman occupation of their land. And that's where many of the revolts started. History records it. Yet this man gained the respect and the friendship of those Jews, and not only the average Jews, but even the elders of the Jews there. You know, in other occasions, we can see how the adversaries of the preaching of the gospel, how they use the tension between being subject to the Romans and their freedom to provoke Jesus to say things that they may have to accuse him. But this was interesting in that this, and remarkable that these centurions, they liked him. And he really cared for the people. He even built the Jews a synagogue. You know? When the Romans in, in other places made monuments to, to show their might and and stamped their identity on the places that they conquered, you know, and that was sometimes a real offense to the Jews. And they tried on different occasions to, to put images right into the temple, right into the temple. And perhaps it was on one of those occasions where <clears throat> it's recorded that Pilate had the Galileans they were, killed and mingled the blood with their sacrifice. But here we have a centurion that loves the Jewish nations, even built them a synagogue. Doesn't say how much he knows, but about the religion, very likely. And he heard about Jesus. 
And this man, although he was of power and authority and had 100 soldiers at his command, he cared for the people. This servant that was sick, he says, was dear unto him. And he was willing to, so to speak, stoop down and ask this rabbi from whom he had heard that he can heal people to come and heal his servant. But he also was a humble one. He knew his place. He didn't think it right for him first to go to ask Jesus directly, but sent his friends, the elders of the Jews. And then he had even second thoughts about Jesus coming under his roof. Did he think that perhaps this would compromise the ministry of Jesus if it was known that he had entered in the house of a Roman officer and that the adversaries then would use that to stir up the people and accuse Jesus? Perhaps those may have been some of the thoughts that he said necessary even to ask Jesus not to come under his roof. He's not worthy. What an attitude. What an attitude that pleases God. Whenever we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. And it is the key to God's grace. God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. It's mentioned twice. And it spoke to me, and it helped me when I was seeking, because I could not claim much faith. I had many doubts. And when even I read Hebrews, he that comes to God that must believe, and must believe that he exists, and is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him, that didn't give me much hope because I had no to speak faith. But when it said God gives grace to the humble, then you know what you have to do. Then you know. And I would encourage everyone that has sought for a long time and has struggled, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Ask for help. Acknowledge your wretched state. Acknowledge that you cannot, with your own reason, to figure out things. And that reason can carry only so far, and there comes a point where your faith has to take over. Faith that pleases God. And without faith, you cannot please him. But he gives you faith if you humble yourself. And Jesus marveled at him when he heard these things. Jesus saw many things. Jesus knew many things. And it's surprising that it says Jesus marveled at this man's faith. We also should note that this man, he was a thinking man. Said, I also am a man set under authority. And this man understood authority. You know, the Bible often, when you look back, it uses the same word for authority and power. Yet some people they they like to incline toward power and think of power, well, power to do things. But there goes the word with it, it goes the authority of that power. And then the question, who gave you that authority? That was one of the questions they asked Jesus. Who gave you this authority to do these things? And I think it referred to 
the situation where he cleansed the temple and chased out the money changer and those that sold and so forth, made merchandise of those that came to give sacrifices. Who gave you this authority? Because with any authority, somebody has to give you that authority. And in God's order, he is the supreme authority that every other authority is subject. And, and he only allows those things. That's why we read in Romans, be subject to the powers. And you could use the word their authority. The word admonishes us to be subject to the authorities. Now, and authority is a word that has been much misused and abused. Somebody said that in the 50s, children lost their innocence. I grew up in the 50s. I was a child in the 50s. And we had simple things. It was after the war. But with affluency, between being able to give things to the children, you know, it was not anymore your world was your house, your yard, your garden, and your parents, your guardians, your protections, and adults were to be respected. Your world was small. But with affluence and with TV and all these other ways of communicating, the world opened up and you saw things that you sh a child should not see. Children lost their innocence. They were exposed to things that adults did, they saw wrong, that they had to be warned against that. It was not anymore at let the child be a child in innocence. And then some of us remember that the 60s were a time where children lost authority. The time of rebellion against all kinds of authorities. And it's still with us. It's still with us. You know, the law is not anymore the law of the country. It gets challenged by those that have their own agenda. Anything, and of course the word of God gets challenged. There is not anymore a mooring to, on which to base morality. It's all relative, relative. It all comes with loss of innocence, with loss of authority, and with loss of hope now. That's the world we are in. And how bright should then the gospel shine in this world? How much should we cling to the truth and not compromise it? so that little feet that follow us may know which way to turn and not face a confused, depraved, corrupt world. This man knew authority, although he had authority and power over 100 soldiers and servants and so forth, but he knew he was under the authority of somebody else. And he answered to his Roman lords, but he also realized that there was a greater power than that. And when we consider his faith in saying, say just a word, just a word, and my servant shall be healed. Now, when we think of faith, we, some of us may be tempted, faith to do great things, to move mountains, to walk on water, to do marvelous things to heal people and so But this man trusted that Jesus could do those things, and he asked them. And that kind of faith pleased God tremendously. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. 
And the following day, it says, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were with him, with him and much people, much people. And when he comes to the gate, there's another throng, many people coming out of that gate because a young man had died, and he was the son, the only son of a widow. What was in store for her? With her only hope and help, there was no welfare, no social help net to, to catch something like this. That's why the widows were considered the poorest. If they had no relatives at all, who could, who could help them? That's why Jesus took also the example of that widow, which had no one to help, but she went to the judge. And although this was a man of power and authority, and he misused his power and authority, he didn't acknowledge a higher power. He says he didn't believe in God. And when men don't believe in God, beware to the extreme that they can go. You just have to look in history. As it was prophesied by one of the philosophers, it was going to be the bloodiest century in history, and so it was. So it was world wars, killings by the millions. The bloodiest time in history by men that didn't believe in God. <clears throat> and this poor widow was in a pretty good Jesus had compassion on her. He had compassion on her. Wouldn't you have? Do we have compassion with those that hurt, those that are pain, those that are steeped in sin and don't fully realize what's coming? And Jesus had compassion on her and said, Weep not. And he came and touched the beer. And they that bear him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And the hope and the support of that poor widow was restored. And the people marveled. And they were amazed, and fear came upon them, an awesome fear, a fear of awe. What is this? And they said, a great prophet has risen among us. And God had visited his people. Did they realize how close they were to the truth that God really had visited his people in the person of his son? Now, the immensity of some of the things that people said and did to Jesus and to think that he was in the beginning, and by him all the worlds are created. Now, if this centurion, he stooped down, he humbled himself, how much more did Jesus humble himself because he became man, and because he was man, it behooved him to humble himself. And it behooves us to humble ourselves, and that's our blessing if we can do that, to humble ourselves. Because God's grace is only given to the humble. Yes, we can pray for the proud too, and God finds ways and means to make him stop and think, but grace truly flows to the humble. <clears throat> A man of faith, this centurion, calling him Lord, you know, a Roman officer of his stature, calling Jesus Lord. You know, the Romans, they, could, they had the right to command the Jews to do service for them, to carry their belongings one mile, mile passum. You know. and that's why Jesus, in his 
in the Sermon on the Mount said, if somebody compels you to go one mile, and that means carrying things, go twine. That's going to cause questions. And whenever we do something according to the precept that Jesus taught, according to his law, that people know it. They will know it and will have questions. But if you blend so in so well, wherever we are, at work, at school, with whatever activity, if you blend so well into the world, we're just part of it. There's no need to ask questions. But, and if people have reason to ask of the hope that is within you, why do you do this thing? Why can you be joyful even if these things happen, rather than succumb like everybody else to despair? That's the hope that people want to know about. And that's the witness they need. The last portion that we read here, <clears throat> John, he called two of his disciples and sent them to Jesus. He couldn't come himself. He was in prison because he had told Herod that it was not right for him to marry the wife of his brother while his brother was still alive. It wasn't so much Herod, but it was Herodias and insisted that he should be done away with. Well, Herod spared him for a time and had him locked up. He was in prison. And John heard those things. Apparently, his disciples were able to come to him, visit him, heard the things that Jesus did. But here, John was in prison. He couldn't understand what goes on here. He of whom Jesus testifies later on that he's the greatest prophet ever born. And the people said, no, he, 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 he didn't do any great signs. He didn't do any miracles, John. But the things that he said are true of this man, Jesus. And he to whom it was charged to reveal Jesus unto the people. He says, I came, he who sent me to baptize that it should be revealed who the Son of God was. And he would have this doubt now. Are you the one that should come? Are you the one that I introduced and testified of? You know, it, it, faith is really tested when adversity comes upon us and we cannot make sense out of it. It's tested. But that's really where the opportunity is to honor God and trust that he knows and he is able and to believe that all things work together to good to them that love God who are called according to his purpose. Now, that verse has two parts to it. Yeah, we work together the good, and we think about a smooth road, we health, all our needs met. So, yeah, but according to his purpose. And his purpose is not for you to have a soft and easy life here. His purpose is to shape you to shape you more like his son, Jesus Christ. And that's where suffering comes in. That's where suffering comes in. Because our human nature resists it. And it can be painful. And it is suffering till we submit. <clears throat> And the answer that he got from Jesus said, tell John, no, you, you see these things happening here. Tell him. 
Tell him what you see. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And at what were the people offended? Not at the feeding of the 10,000 or the healing, the sick, of the compassion that he showed, but at the truth that must be proclaimed, the truth that must be obeyed, and the very purpose for which Jesus came. I came to bear witness of the truth. Yeah, the very truth. As he told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that was very offensive to, to many. What things are you offended at? You know, his very disciples who walked with him and saw these things, and saw so many proofs, and they said, yes, truly you are the Son of God, when he stilled the sea and the waves, when he did those miracles. And they all promised that they would stick with him even in adversity. But he had to tell them, this night all of you shall be offended. All of you. Now, they did not yet have the indwelling of the Spirit, the power which enables us to obey the law of Christ, which is much more than the law of Moses. Because if you look at the Sermon of the Mount, it says, ye have been heard, it has been said. Hate your enemies. Love your neighbors. But I tell you, love your enemies. And so forth. And these are the things that cause offense. These are the things that are hard to digest with a human nature, with a human mind. Are there opportunities for us to be offended in this well-supplied society? Do Are we ashamed of living and saying the way Christ wants us to walk and speak? Or are we inclined to compromise and adapt and adjust so that things get smoothed out? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, what is it going to be used for? You may well throw it out and it be trampled on. Have we lost our savor? Why is it that so few find it, find it the way of the truth? Is it per, for lack of witnesses or is it for lack of witnesses with conviction that live that conviction now this speaks to us if we speak truth and we are told that we should speak the truth in love speaking the truth in love, it will cause decisions. It will separate. When the angels announced, and peace on earth, goodwill among men, you know, it was, I believe, more that peace on earth among men of goodwill. Because Jesus said later on, do you think I, I came to bring peace? I, I'm bring division. 
from now, one is going to be another. Even in the household, they're going to be divided. And there are going to be opportunities even to stand up in the household for the truth because we are tempted. And one may be weaker than the other to give in, and then the other has to help him to stand up again. It's just any faith, first and foremost, has to be based on truth. Where truth has been compromised, the building will not stand. And at times it is out of human compassion, so to speak, that truth is being compromised. No, the truth cannot. If the truth ceases to offend, then you have to question whether you still have the truth, because the truth will cause divisions. Blessed is he whoever shall not be offended at me. May it be so. To him be honor and glory evermore. Amen. Two hundred ninety-one. Which verses? All verses.
Our merciful, loving Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we come before Thee on bended knee in this morning hour, for only Thou art worthy, Father, that we would come before Thee in humility, recognizing, Father, that we are weak and that we need Thee so desperately. And Father, we thank Thee most of all for Thy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was the perfect example for us, who left his home in heaven, the courts of glory, Father, that he would come to this earth, that he would take on flesh, that he would live life as a man, being tempted and tried more than we can ever know, Father, who didn't have a place to call his home and was willing to lay down his life on that cross of Calvary to shed his precious blood for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so, Father, we're so eternally grateful and thankful that he was willing to do this on behalf of each one of us, Father, personally, that he would want to do this even if it was just for one. We're so thankful and that he rose again and that he's at thy right hand, Father. We're thankful for thy example, Lord Jesus, of how we should live our lives. We're thankful for the example of the centurion as well, Father, who humbled himself. And we recognize, Father, how often we stray and think that we know better. And yet, Father, Thou hast reminded us in this morning hour that the key to Thy salvation, to Thy grace, is that we would humble ourselves before Thee. And we ask Thee, Father, for each one who is struggling in this area, Father, to give them sight, Father, that they would recognize how great Thou art and how weak we are, and that it is only with Thy strength and help, Father, that we could draw close to Thee, that we could accept this plan of salvation that was paid for our paid on our behalf father we're thankful for the brother who has given of himself and for all those who preach thy word we pray for much strength and wisdom to be given to them father as we live in a world that there is much confusion and the enemy of our souls would wish to even confuse thy children and Father, we just pray for discernment as we live here below, Father, in all the decisions that we need to make, Father, that we would do so according to thy wisdom and thy strength. Bless each one, Father, in this morning hour, and we pray for those who grieve in this moment for thy comfort upon them. We pray for the sick, that thou would grant thy healing power as we have read about in this morning hour, Father, only Thou canst heal, and those who are dead in sin, that Thou wouldst raise them up as well. Continue to be with us this day. We give Thee all glory, honor, and praise, and thanksgiving unto Thy name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One hundred seventy
Jesus said, Blessed is he that is not offended in me. And when I think of the world, at the things that they are offended, the very statement of Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So many make it their effort to disprove, to speak against those things. Does that also hinder or offend anyone here? The word of God is given to us that shows the truth that Jesus speaks. I am the truth. The word of God became flesh. And we can see for ourselves, if you find in their thing, in the word of God, things that offend us. And Jesus said, blessed are those that are not offended at me. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.